On today's episode of the 1012 podcast, we're, we're talking about realignment because the Big 12 now has 16 teams for the 2024 season and beyond. Jamie Plunkett is going to join us to talk about the potential of a 17th and 18th team. And let's start getting to know our four newcomers. Ralph Amson is going to join us to break down what you need to know about ASU, Arizona, Colorado, and Utah. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 14 teams in the Big 12 Conference, plus Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. <laughs> what a thing to say. Uh, we are the flagship show of the 1012 Network. Find every show on the network at 1012network.com. That's T E N, the number 12, the word network. And we are partners with Sports Social, the biggest and best sports podcast network in the UK. I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us on this Monday. Woo! Quick reminder before we dive in. Uh, we are also on YouTube. You can find exclusive interviews posted there with some fantastic guests. Uh, if you haven't seen uh, or listened to last week's episode yet, and it is long, uh, but it does have our offensive line rankings for this season you can find just that interview in video form uh, with our two guests on our youtube channel go check it out there oh has anyone else like come down from this past weekend i mean from friday what a day friday was i was at home solo parenting three kids four and under trying to keep track of everything that was going on while also playing with my children. So there was parts where I was just like, I got to put the phone down. I have to just put it on the charger. It's not going to last. Here we sit this week, the week of August 7th. And the Big 12 is the strongest it's been since it was formed back in the 90s. Four new programs joining the conference some willingly some begrudgingly but still four new programs we will have 16 teams for now when the 2024 season kicks off what a thing to say what an incredible thing to say first let's just let's have let's have fun with this let's enjoy this for a second because we're big 12 fans and we have been in a conference who's been on death's door for years at least according to people in the media and yet here we sit, the victors of this battle, of this current round of realignment. No, we didn't bring in another Oklahoma or Texas, a brand of that nature. No, we're not signing a $50 million a year media deal. But we just signed four new schools. Power five schools, mind you, not, not G5. No offense to UCF, Houston, Cincinnati, BYU, none at all. But four power five schools have joined the Big 12. And when the tweets from Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah started popping up late Friday night, when the Big 12 was putting out the first graphic with all 16 teams, it was impossible not to be excited. It's possible not to be excited now. Arizona football had a freaking video ready to launch Friday night with a Big 12 loco decal on the back of a helmet and the number 16 on the jersey. 
it's just it was I, I was up way too late because I just I just wanted to take all of it in, all of it, the good, the bad, the happy, the people pissed off, all of it. I don't know how you can't be excited. Arizona is already out there. Their fans picking fights with Kansas State about Wildcats. By the way, who whoever it was in my Twitter, Zeter, whatever it's called, who <laughs> said that it was going to be the Scratching Post Trophy. <laughs> oh, I got to find that tweet. I owe you a 10-12 koozie. Um, they're picking fights with Texas Tech about cactuses and who gets to own those. And Iowa State over bridges. Because there's a snake bridge. You've got Arizona State's AD and president trying to turn Arizona State into the new villain of the Big 12 while their fans are like, whoa, 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 whoa. We don't like them either. We'll talk about that more with our guest coming up. And Utah, who is going to be the new villain of the Big 12 because nobody's going to like them. And it's not just because we brought BYU in. Like That fan base has done nothing but trash the Big 12 for months. And Colorado's back with Deion Sanders. It's 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 incredible. For the first time since the Big Eight became the Big Twelve, the conference is in a position of true strength, real, true, absolute strength. Like, hold on a second. Obviously, football is the driving force here. Football is going to dictate a lot. Um, Austin Massey, Austin Massey of two four seven. This tweet. How good is the new Big 12 going to be in basketball in 2022-2023? All 16 members finished in the top 80 of Ken Palm. Eight finished in the top 30. In 21 and 22, five members finished in the top seven. Oh, that's um, that's pretty good. Oh, oh, you know how we feel about softball here. From a softball standpoint, shout out to Eric Lopez, friend of the pod. Big 12 Conference will not only be clearly a top two conference, but also along with men's hoops, the strongest sport spot top to bottom. Arizona, Arizona State, Oklahoma State, UCF, Baylor, Utah all have hosted or won regionals as top 16 seeded teams since 2017. Arizona, Arizona State, Oklahoma State, Baylor, Utah have been to the Women's College World Series since 2017. Every team except Kansas has been to the NCAA tournament. I mean, it to at least to a regional final since 2019. I didn't even pull anything about baseball, which is going to be awesome. Women's basketball is still going to be good. Like, this conference is going to be competitive top to bottom across the board in every sport. Is it going to win a national championship in football? No. I tweeted this out before we found out about these four. I don't care. It will be competitive. It will be so online, even more so. And fun. And it's going to be the conference that it's the betting conference. I just, how can you not be excited? Like, as Big 12 fans, please understand the scope in which I'm saying this. Because for those impacted by this, everything's going on negatively. Gosh, ugh. I remember the feeling I had back in 2021 when the OU in Texas leaving for the SEC news was announced. When I did an emergency podcast with Keegan Renault and just poured out my heart and feelings about it. I remember how that felt. It's why I've really tried not to sit here and like dunk on the Pac-12. You can dunk on people. You can call out people who have been aggressively wrong or just a-holes through this entire process. But I'm not going to dunk on Oregon State. This sucks for them. Assuming they don't end up in the Big 12. We'll talk about that in a second. There are people who are going to lose their jobs because of this. There are people, programs who 
aren't going to have the funds to compete at a, at a competitive level because of this. There are players who, and I don't, mm, there's a, a collection of, of Pac-12 softball players who've been coming out and vocalizing their frustration with this, and I get it. Some Big 12 radio producer complained about, you played this many softball games on the road in non-conference because it's from Oregon. Ain't going to host a lot of teams up at Oregon. Most, if you're going to do anything good in softball, you have to go to the best tournaments. But for conference play, they got to play closer to home. Now, conference play is miles away. Realignment's not fun. It's not enjoyable. It's not good. It's fun to win. It's fun to sit in the driver's seat. It's fun to have won this battle. And so I'm going to celebrate that with an understanding of there are lots of people who were hurt by this. I hate this for Oregon State and Washington State. I hate it. I hate where this is going because it's fun right now. You have won a skirmish, a battle, but it's not over. ESPN and Fox are dictating the direction of the sport along with a handful of other people who are going to make themselves lots and lots of money. They're gathering up all the brands that have the greatest value from a TV standpoint. That's what they're doing. It's about consolidation of brands. The next time we truly get to negotiating contracts, it won't be about realignment. It will be about consolidation. It will be about secession. If you think that a collection of schools aren't going to branch off and go do their own thing, it's going to happen. It's like the Super League that the European soccer teams tried to form, those with American owners, but European soccer fans literally were like, hell no, including fans of the teams who would have been able to go to the Super League. Here, though, totally doesn't work. In the, it would work in the U.S. because we would just dog all the teams and fan bases who don't get to go along and ha 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 ha, you're not good enough, we're awesome. Because we don't care either. We love this stuff. If you think it's crazy that the most valuable brands from the Big Ten, SEC, and ACC, because the biggest brands from the Big 12 are already gone and the Pac-12 doesn't exist, branching off is crazy. If you think that's crazy, what if I told you five years ago that USC, UCLA, Washington, Oregon were going to be in the Big Ten? If I'd said that, you'd have stopped listening to this podcast. It's all into a situation where if you're not a helmet game, you're going to get left behind. For the next decade, you're going to see these Big Ten games. Again, this sounds crazy, but for the next decade, you're going to see these Big Ten games with USC and UCLA and Washington, Oregon. It's still going to be weird, but you're going to start to get used to it, and so it's going to be easier sell. This is a temporary win for the Big 12, but I'm going to take it. I'm going to enjoy a drink, celebrate, look forward to this season which is going to be the best season of all time. The final season for Oklahoma and Texas. Then I'm going to look forward to 2024, which is going to be another incredible season for an entirely different reason. Back-to-back awesome years. Cannot wait. Can. Not. Wait. Cannot wait. We will find podcasts for Colorado, Utah, Arizona, and Arizona State. Give me a little time. I'm going to have to be doing some research. Okay? I'm still trying to get shows for TCU, Baylor, and Iowa State. Well, I say trying to get shows. Let's just say I've got a week of announcements coming up in August. Next week. Next week is a week of of announcements. Get excited. I'm excited. Uh, We have two great guests. Oh, before we get to that, two things. One, um, I don't want to sit here and rehash everything. I wasn't planning on rehashing everything that happened on Friday or this last week. Uh, There are other shows that have done a great job of that already. I know y'all hate Stuart Mandel. He actually had a really good article about basically taking shots at the Pac-12 for 
their its own demise. Um, I would suggest the Ion College uh, basketball podcast. Uh, it does a great job from a basketball standpoint. They do talk football as well. Um, I think it's a good listen. And it's got some stuff to talk about the future of college basketball and, and where this is going and, and how this impacts that. I would listen to Give Him Hell Brigham, our BYU show. That episode called The Big 16 is Happening. Really good perspective. Really good perspective on Utah. Go and listen to that one. When they start getting into the recruiting stuff, if you want to bail, you can bail because it's real BYU, Utah heavy. But their perspective on Utah, the teams coming in, give that one a listen. Uh, and then hosts from... Our Daily Bears, the Bear Den, and Between Two Bears, three Baylor podcasts, teamed up to do an emergency realignment podcast, and it is hilarious. It is so funny. Um, absolutely fantastic hosts that all got together for a show. I listened to all of these while I was mowing the yard on Sunday afternoon. I go listen to all of them. Um, Split Zone Duo, also, if you want to know the national one, um, their coverage of this has been really good as well. Very unique and great perspective. So I would go listen to all of those. Um, if you the Bear Den Pod is the one that I would go listen to of the three teamed up. Listen to every show on the network. Ten Twelve Network dot com. T E N number twelve. The word network. Uh, like I said, we'll find four shows uh, as soon as we can for the four new schools that we're going to have incoming. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on the gram. Please, if you're listening to this on YouTube, like the video. Subscribe if you're listening to it on a podcast platform. Five stars. It's been a while since we had a five-star rating. It's been a while since we had a review. I would really appreciate it. It really does help the show out. And if you want to take a picture to do it, DM it to us at 1012network on Twitter at 1012pod on Instagram, 1012podcast at gmail.com if you want to email it to me. Uh, and then we can chat and I'll get, I'll get you a koozie and a sticker. I've still got a bunch. So, two great guests, Jamie Plunkett. We're going to talk more about the whole 17-18 theme with Plunkett coming up in a second. Um, and then I want to start getting to know these new schools. I want to get to know more about, is is President Crow at ASU just that big of a pain in the ass? How do his fans feel about him? And Ray Anderson, uh, are Utah fans as obnoxious as they have been on Twitter? Uh, what should we feel about Arizona fans? Uh, so, had a fantastic, fantastic guest on to talk about the four teams that are coming in. He is an ASU grad. He covers Arizona State. He covers the Pac-12. His name is Ralph Amsden. Uh, some of you probably have seen uh, tweets from him already going out. Uh, we retweeted one. He's done a very good job. Uh, so he is our second guest today as well. Two great guests. Another long one. So let's get to it. All right, so while last weekend was insane, and I still think Friday is the craziest college sports day that didn't involve any action on the actual field um this is not over it's far from over it's it's a brief pause and that leads us to why we have our next guest on jamie plunkett who writes for a horned frog blitz the tcu 247 site as well as a partner uh co-host with our good friend melissa trebwasser covering texas uh for the or covering tcu sorry uh for dave campbell's texas football jamie welcome to the show man and Philip, it's an honor to be here. I'm really, really happy to be on. Uh, I appreciate you saying it's an honor. I, I feel bad because we've had Melissa on I don't know how many <laughs> times, and this is your first appearance. I just we just had to wait for you to break, you know, some news to, Look, to justify getting you on here. 
no no hard feelings in having Melissa on. She's the better half of the show anyway. So it's uh, it was the right call to have her on as many times. Yeah. And I'm really, really glad you said her name right. You know, so many people say Tribewasser these days, but it's Treve. So it's a great work. I mean, if I couldn't pronounce her name properly at this point, yeah, it'd be, be bad. Be bad. Uh, you were the first person who had uh, the news uh, that the Big 12 presidents, uh, when they voted to approve or uh, extend invitations to Arizona State and Utah back on Friday, uh, also pre-approved expansion efforts to add, allow Brett Yormark to add a 17th or 18th team by the end of this year, December 31st, 2023. And we've seen a few people kind of mention it. It doesn't seem like it's getting quite the, the the talk amongst everything else, which is understandable. There's a lot of things to talk about. It's one more nugget on a giant pile of nuggets. Uh, but I, I did think it was something that we should discuss for a minute here. So just um, from, from what you understand, what exactly does that mean for the Big 12? Well, it's a signal that they're going to stay being aggressive, right? I mean, in, in this eat or be eaten, you know, life that is college football these days and college football realignment we've seen what's happened when you were passive when you were complacent when you weren't aggressive you know and and look what's happened in pac 12 they had opportunities to expand they had opportunities to eat the big 12 but they didn't and now they're likely not going to exist anymore having lost five well i guess seven including usc and ucla teams in the last two years or last year and a half so um, i think it's a good signal from the big 12 that they're going to continue to look to grow, look to improve their product as much as they can across the board. And I think it's just another sign that Brett Wormark is not going to rest until he makes sure that the Big 12 and the programs within the Big 12 are in the best possible position for that next media rights deal in 2030 or 2031, whatever it comes to. So uh, I think it's a great sign that Brett Wormark is continuing to build as good of a product as he possibly can. Uh, and we'll see where they go from here as they look to add teams 17 and 18. So from that standpoint, I mean, we, we've heard talks before about, you know, obviously UConn had had some other Pac-12 teams not come on board. They would have needed a 14th member anyways. UConn was kind of out there as an option. We've heard talk about Gonzaga, a few other Big East schools, as well as basketball-only candidates. What direction do you feel like your mark in the Big 12 might be looking here? I, I know that what has been written is – there is some pushback on basketball only, especially Gonzaga, UConn, schools like that. So where do you think the Big 12 is kind of looking at where they might want to be aggressive here? No, I think that's a really good question. And it's something that I don't think we have a clear picture of quite yet, because what they did during this meeting was approve 17 and 18 teams by a deadline of December 31st of this year. So they've got a little bit of time to really explore some different options. I know that Oregon State has reached out. I know that Stanford has been hesitant, but has been having a couple conversations lately as well. So there may be an opportunity there to add two of the remaining four Pac-12 teams, like you mentioned, Gonzaga and UConn as basketball-only members would be an interesting way to go as your mark tries to create the best possible basketball product at the collegiate level uh, and eventually maybe spin off basketball into its own media rights deal after this deal is over. That's something he's talked about publicly a couple of times is is there a way to get more money for an incredible basketball product? And I, I think there might be down the road. Um, another alternative too, is whatever's going to happen in the ACC. Florida state has been making a ton of noise lately, but that grant of rights is pretty ironclad. So if there's a way for Florida state Clemson and a couple other schools to maybe break up the ACC, there might be an opportunity there for 
Big 12 to scoop up a couple teams that don't get gobbled up by the Big 10 and the SEC. That might be a year or two, three down the road. Who knows? But it looks like at this point, your Mark is doing everything he can to keep the Big 12 ready in case something does happen down the road. I kind of wonder if this is less aggression and more making sure you have the ability to move quickly if something becomes available, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, you just you just brought in four new teams on top of the four teams you just added this summer. So you, you've got eight brand new programs in this Big 12. I mean, it, you do it does feel like we should probably, I don't know, have a year or two where we kind of start to get things up. But look, I, I'm still trying to get used to having UCF, Houston, BYU, and Cincinnati in this conference as I try and cover the Big 12. Now we're going to have four other schools that, yes, Colorado was in the Big 12 more than a decade ago for, for a long time, but like I think there's a lot of people who cover this sport now who, you know, it it doesn't mean that you know anything about Colorado now. And so I, I am, it does feel like maybe we should take some time, let this breathe. But I also understand the idea of you want to put yourself in a position where if something makes sense, you can move quickly to bring somebody else in. Absolutely. And I mean, I'm, for one, I'm very much looking forward to the longtime lifelong rivals of Arizona State and Central Florida playing in the near future. <laughs> um, but, I, and, I, and I agree, I think that, when I say that they're, they're continuing to be aggressive, I think uh, I'm saying along the lines of what you're, what you're indicating there is they want to be prepared for whatever comes next, whether that is adding more teams from the West Coast, if that is an opportunity to dip into the ACC at all. Um, but ultimately, the goal here is to survive, right? Uh, it's survive or be eaten. And the Big 12, 18 months ago, was pretty much left for dead until Bowlesby added those four schools that you already mentioned and Warmark came in last August and has continued that momentum. Um, but whatever it is that they're doing behind the scenes, as much of that information as we can gather as possible, we know that the goal is A, survive, B, get the best media deal possible for your uh, institution members and uh, you know, C, see what, see what goes from there, really. I, I, I do want to pick your brain on basketball for a second. Obviously, Yormark has, as you said, made comments regarding underappreciated or undervalued college basketball and, and building a, a basketball conference that is that no one else is on par with, which, I mean, you can argue the big 12 is already sitting in that spot. And now you're going to add Arizona. And I understand that Colorado and ASU and Utah also play basketball, especially Utah. Hey, UCF, you just got you. We just got you a win in men's basketball. So you're welcome. Uh, but I mean, I, there's also a conversation, um, I don't know how many po- I've, I've listened to so many podcasts and 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 watched so many YouTube shows this weekend, including um, on college basketball, and and they kind of had a conversation that has been had, uh, and one that uh, even uh, Bud Elliott has kind of mentioned, and that's at some point where this thing is all headed, um, there there is despite what people might say, there is an expectation of at some point they're going to certain conferences are going to pick up their ball and go play by themselves. Right. They're going to they're going to take their ball and go home. And that might have it. That's going to have an impact on basketball and on March Madness and what that's going to look like, which let's just be honest, folks. 20 years from now, I, I, if you told me March Madness looks exactly the same, I'm, I'm I wouldn't believe you, but I would love to hear it. Do you, how do you feel about the idea that the Big 12 creating a, a basketball brand that is so strong and having programs in it? that are so iconic to college basketball and so important to men's college basketball, especially that trying to create a tournament without it, without the big 12, without a Kansas, without Arizona, without what Baylor has become and, and whatever teams you steal from the ACC, eventually <coughs> Duke, um, 
creating a conference with so many basketball centric schools that are bigger brands than what the SEC and the Big Ten have would make it impossible to leave the Big 12 out. Yeah, I I mean I I I have a hard time believing that basketball could be such a driving force behind a negotiation like that 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 the Big 10 and the SEC would eventually say, "Yeah, we really want your hoops, so we'll let your football play with us too." Um it could happen. I think that's your Mark's hope. Um but at the same time, I don't know if there's, and maybe it's because basketball has been such an undervalued product that I think this way, um, that there, there's just not enough in that argument to leverage your football teams being in whatever tournament breaks away from the NCAA down the road. Um, which is why I think it's very important for teams not currently in the Big Ten and the SEC to continue building themselves up as football brands as best as possible. And continuing to pursue higher academics and, and better academics on that side, if you're looking at maybe wanting to get into the Big Ten at some point down the road. Uh, the SEC, they don't care as much about that outside of Vanderbilt, which is totally fine. Um, but uh, I, I just, it's, it's hard to project stuff like this, because if you had told me five years ago that Arizona and TCU would be conference bunkmates and that Colorado would be back in the Big 12 again, I would have said, I don't, I don't ever see that happening. The Pac-12 is too strong. I mean, the Pac-12 had the biggest media deal ever in conference history in 2011. They signed a 12-year, $3 billion deal. That was the biggest deal we'd ever seen before. And everyone's like, gosh, Pac-12 seems primed to last forever. <laughs> They're the next one dead now. Um, I would like to see, though, some someone somewhere find a way to um, get some of this in control, if that makes any sense at all, to where we don't lose out on some of what makes college athletics on the whole so fun and so beautiful to, to invest time and, and energy in. Um, because when you think about down the road in that picture that you just projected of, hey, football's going to break away over here, the basketball might, might be sticking over here in the NCAA, and we're going to lose a rivalry between Duke and North Carolina. We're going to lose um, you know, that interconference play that makes the tournament so great because you're not going to have half of those high-value uh, programs in that anymore. Um, so it's really disappointing, I think, if that ends up being the case, which is, frankly, how I see that kind of trending at this point. Yeah, look, uh, the, the the pessimist in me and the realist in me says this is coming. The optimist in me is maybe once it does, what's left over can go back to being college football the way we kind of like it. Maybe. Um, if you're not Everyone who's not going to be part of NFL light can just go back to regionality of, I mean, everything is cyclical, right? Mm-hmm. There used to be giant conferences years and years ago, and they all split up because it didn't make any sense. Shut and up now we're I. going, and now we're going back to, to giant conferences again. And eventually these conferences, someone made the, the great joke of, uh, what was it? Uh, the Big Ten should bring in like Stanford and Cal, and then they can have two divisions. They can have the Pac-10 in the West and the Big Ten in the East, and have a, a championship game in the Rose Bowl. And I was like, Bravo! That's just. But that's like that's that's what this is like. It's just it is. It's cyclical. Jamie, you're awesome. I do appreciate it. Uh, this is a fantastic first get. Okay, this is this has gone well. Uh, I will I will invite you back on the show now. This is a. Oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> felt, like, felt like I was rambling there a little bit, so I appreciate the kindness. Uh, and no, again, thanks no, for having me on, man. 
Absolutely. Do me a favor, plug it all, man. Where can everybody check out the work you do covering TCU? I appreciate that. You can find uh, all my written stuff at 24-7 Sports at hornfrogblitz.com. Uh, I podcast with your one of your best guests that you ever have on the show, Philip, uh, Melissa Shreewasser. We are at Frogs Insider, part of the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Republic of Football Network. Quite a mouthful. Uh, and then you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Frog Preacher. Jamie, appreciate it, man. Thanks. Well... The conference realignment machine, I think that's the appropriate word for it, conference consolidation or just conference totally wrecking and tearing asunder uh, device has done its thing. Uh, what a wild and crazy weekend. I don't want to rehash the entire thing. There are many podcasts uh, that I have already named uh, earlier on uh, that you should go and listen to if you want full rehashes. I do want to talk about thoughts and feelings and get some Pac-12 perspective, because I think that is worth doing. Very excited to have on the show for the very first time joining us here on the 1012. Uh, Ralph Amsden. Ralph uh, has covered Arizona State and the Pac-12 for quite some time. Ralph, welcome to the show. Hey, it's good. It's good to be here, even if uh, by someone else's choice. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I wish it was better circumstances. I mean, at least, you know, Arizona State joining. They found a life raft there in the Big 12. We'll talk about feelings about that here in a second. Um, I mean, as someone who's covered the Pac-12, I, I, everyone's got feelings. This is a Big 12 show. There's going to be Big 12 fans who uh, does. There's nothing you can say. Just looking to dunk and and get their kicks in while they can. But I mean, like realistically, like you are, you have you have been in and around the Pac-12 for a very long time. I mean, I, just like what has this weekend been like for you? Well. Um... I would say that when USC and UCLA left, uh, all of the people who have been chicken littles about the future of the Pac-12, um, which I would say includes 99% of people who follow this conference, uh, really, really started to, to put the screws on the few people who have been defiant and pushing back and saying that the conference was not only going to survive, uh, but thrive. And so... I would say almost everyone that covers the Pac-12 is a fan of a Pac-12 team uh, has been pretty angry uh, for an entire year. And then, you know, we knew Colorado would be next. Uh, we knew they didn't really ever belong in the in, in the Pac-12 anyway. We're always happy to have them. Um, if, if there is one thing, you know, I think Pac-12 fans get this whole, like, elitist um, reputation. And, and, and I would say that for some people, maybe that's maybe that's true. But the one thing that the Pac-12 has always been, I think, justifiably snooty about is the markets. Um, Seattle is an incredible American city. Uh, the 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 Phoenix uh, metropolitan area, the biggest county, is right in the middle of the biggest county um, in America. You know, Los Angeles is you know the the coast, the left coast pillar um, of the country. Denver, um, you know, if you include that in the Boulder market, is really, really special. Uh, and Salt Lake, you know, is out here trying to become the next Silicon Valley, which we also have um, in our markets. And, you know, and there's the schools outside Portland. And it's always been something that, that everybody within the conference is really proud of, um, that you have all of these great cities that might not, um, college football might not be the lifeblood of them, um, but it's in the blood, right? Like it's, it, it's, it's part of 
um, what you can be a part of in, in all of these places. And it's been a lot of fun. And you hear people talking about the tra- tradition and hundred years, that's not for everybody. Like Arizona, Arizona state have only been in there for about 50. Um, but for a lot of people, it was really, really important. Um, and I think I did most of my morning when Colorado announced, because then it was, you know, went from knowing it was going to collapse with 1% hope that it wouldn't. to that just sort of being the finality of it. And, um, so I, I, I was, I got most of my frustration out in the 24 hours after Colorado made their decision because then anybody with, with working brain cells could have pinpointed who was going to go when, which presidents were going to make it a little bit harder than they need to be, which ones were, uh, if they were playing both sides, were only doing so for a better deal from the conference that they were going to, which schools were going to get completely screwed. Um, you know, all of that was just incredibly uh, obvious to, to almost everyone. It, it, it's insane that, you know, that everyone except for a couple of people in power could see what was going to happen, watched it unfold, predicted it with 100% certainty. Um, and yeah, and so I, I think there are a lot of people that are upset. I'm, you know, People that work the Pac-12 network didn't deserve this. People that cover the Pac-12, uh, the people that are part of these rivalries, you know, none of them deserved it. Um, but the the fact of the matter is, the games were not watchable or accessible for the better part of a decade, and because of that, interest in the conference waned over time. And when it came time to negotiate, it became really, really easy to say, "Oh, the TV networks are just really unstable right now, so it's bad timing for us." We had a great plan all along when 99% of the people that follow this conference said, you're going to kill the conference by keeping the games out of reach. The Pac-12 network was available in 18 million homes. There's 39 million people in California alone. It was never going to be a recipe for success. Attendance is dropping in all of these stadiums. Uh, Conferences that actually do have ease of access were stealing all of, not stealing, but like earning the commitments of all of the best kids in California and Arizona. Um, I mean, everybody in the state of Arizona does the weeping and gnashing of teeth over Brock Purdy leaving to be a four-year starter at Iowa state, you know, um, it, that, that has been uh, a continuing trend uh, as the reputations of the conferences that are not the PAC 12 continue to increase. And then when it came time to have a, a weird standoff duel with the big 12, um, yeah, I, I don't know anybody who really had any faith. And, and it wasn't really something I paid attention to because I was like, why would we go up against anyone for anything right now? We're at our absolute weakest point. But, you know, our, our new commissioner came in, really felt like he had something to prove. Um, and then he's just been it. You know, it's like he slipped on a banana peel with the USC UCLA defection. And it's just been like he's treading ever since for a whole year, trying not to fall over. Um, and it finally happened. So I don't know. I, I would say that. A lot of people are really sad, but because most people came to terms with this being the future a long time ago, uh, it was easy for most Pac-12 fans to turn their focus to where are we going to be next. Uh, I want to talk about one of the people in particular who led to the Pac-12's demise because he is now in the Big 12. Uh-huh. Uh, before I get to that fun news, um, I, I you posted something on Twitter that I thought was fantastic. It's one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on. Uh, and it was kind of a breakdown of 
get to know the four fan bases uh, or the four schools that are now joining the Big 12 from the Pac-12, uh, that being Arizona State, Arizona, Colorado, and Utah. Um, I, I, there are a lot of pre-formed opinions about these fan bases already, I think. Sure. Fans. And part of that is, look, folks, t- everyone's not on Twitter, and so it's not fair to judge everything by uh, a fan base, and I'm not going to hold um, – the AD and school president against the Arizona state fan base. (laughs) Uh, And I'm trying not to hold the um, very vocal, uh, aggressively vocal uh, Utah fans against the Utah fan base. (laughs) But the only source of information I have about the Utah fan base are BYU fans. And that's (laughs) that's looking through a very um, blue shaded pair of lenses so um i i want your opinion as someone who has covered this conference of kind of what should we expect from the four fan bases joining the big 12 sure sure so yeah if you're somebody who likes to uh interact online um it, welcome you know, to the big 12 we are the most online uh conference fan base in america i've noticed that my uh ever since tweeting this out i it's been i think 72 straight hours of big 12 fans uh engaging with uh artists formerly known as pac-12 schools um in my mentions and it's just been non-stop and uh it's been a lot of fun and i've only been mildly annoyed <laughs> at some of the big 12 fans and i'm usually pretty annoyed with a lot of pac-12 fans so it's been a, it's been a nice change but i would say that uh they do all uh, as everybody's aware every fan base kind of has a distinct uh, overarching personality. What you can't really do is pin down one person or one account or one uh, one account that gets a lot of engagement and and say this is um, an appropriate uh, um, you know manifestation of of what everybody's like. But um, I will I will say this: uh, I went to Arizona State University. Uh, my wife is a Sun Devil. A lot of the people I grew up with. Our Sun Devils, some of my favorite athletes of all time, um, are Sun Devils. However, it has been maybe a decade or more of the fan base sort of having a disconnect with the leadership of the school. And so (laughs) I wouldn't say that Arizona State fans are self-effacing. Like, I wouldn't say that they they have a sense of humor about, you know, the things that are going on and they like to talk about it. Um, but like, and, and not to comment on what the actual like logo for the school is, but if you're picking up a pitchfork to come at the uh, athletic director, Ray Anderson and the school president, Michael Crow, like they're going to raise their forks along with you. Like they just, there is just such a huge disconnect um, between the leadership of the school and the people that follow athletics and the people that are really left and the people that do that, that engage the most in Sun Devil Twitter, ASU Twitter, um, are the people that have chosen to be uh, ride or die despite uh, the athletic director hiring his best friend to be the coach, despite not coaching in college football for 30 years, not coaching at all for nine years, and then having a complete like refusal of desire to learn the rules um, to the point where he pawned it off on people who were more than willing to cheat and we got caught. And now there's a whole NCAA investigation that's taking forever. And the investigation is the punishment. They had to change um, regimes. Um, And now there is kind there's an excitement when it comes to, to ASU football, because one of their own, 
an ASU student who used to be an ASU GA um, is the head coach and he's only 32 years old. And there's this anxiety uh, that, Hey, like, wow, we, one of us is really uh, a very young, very online um, ASU super fan is ASU's head coach right now. And if that doesn't work, then that's going to be huge, like humble pie for all of us, because, you know, this is the exact type of person that we've all wanted um, to be leading the program. So there's a lot of excitement from the diehards about the current setup, um, but they do just hate the administration. I would say 95% uh, uh, are, are truly in opposition to ASU's leadership. Another 4% are indifferent. And the other 1% are like family members of Michael Crow and Ray Anderson. So, <laughs> um, oh, if it's, it is very easy to like say something bad about ASU proper and have ASU fans be like, you're right. <laughs> like, we agree. Um, okay, so that, that's good. So now we actually have, okay, so Big 12 fans. Yeah. Now you have a way to bond with ASU fans. Just talk crap about Crow and Anderson, which is sure, frankly yeah. easy to do from an outsider perspective. And we could talk about Crow here in a minute. And uh, look, I love the Dill- Kenny Dillingham hire. I'm very excited about him. Like that's a very fun hire that I'm, I'm really curious to see how that goes for ASU. So, yeah, the other the other conversation that any ASU fan will have with any fan of any school is like, uh, so Tempe is pretty fun, huh? And that'll be like, yep. And that's the end of that whole conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody knows what everybody's implying there. And there is this thing of where, and I, I don't, I don't always know how I feel about it, but like you'll meet uh, guys in their forties and fifties, and they'd be like, "Hey, if I could do it again, brother, Tempe, I don't even use my degree anyway. I should have gone to Arizona State." And it's like, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> all right, a little weird, a little weird, um, but I get it. I get it. It was a good time. There's not a lot of people that went to ASU that have um, any complaints. It, it, you know, it's fun. Uh, Michael Crow, the president, is also very against the the idea of Arizona State being thought of as the fun school, the party school. He hates it. And so that really causes ASU fans to to really double down. Um, he's like got rid of Greek life. He got real mad. There was an article in Playboy like 20 years ago about hey, how ASU was the number one party school. And he just started doing everything he could to change that reputation. The funny thing is the school's gotten way better academically. You know, they're, they're like sending rovers to Mars and they're do, and they just opened a medical school. He's doing everything he can to get ASU more respect. But like in the minds of most people, it's still like the Florabama shores of the Southwest. <laughs> and that's fine. Um, you can be both, uh, but it, it, that's part of the fracture as well. But I, I would say ASU fans pretty pleasant to interact with. They get very defensive. Um of the players, they will uh, fight you if you say anything bad about Pat Tillman. I don't know why anybody would do that, um, but there, there are like if you're if you're trying to be like a troll, troll, then you go at any school's touchstones, right? And for Arizona State, that's Pat Tillman. For Arizona, it's the bear down phrase. Um, you know, you you can you. There are ways to be a terrible person and get on people's nerves. I don't recommend it. Um, but Arizona State fans are for the most part uh, pleasant. Um, looking forward to coming to your city and looking forward to you coming to ours. That's that's really big for them. Very cool. All right, that's good. I see. This is why I'm like I, I'm I'm I can't make ASU the new like villain of the Big Twelve because I I can't associate 
two people in charge who are trying to ruin the school's athletic department, um, much to the disappointment of fans. Uh, all right. So Arizona. Yeah. Of the schools brought in, Arizona feels like the most Big 12 school. Uh, okay. Feels like a school from from the perspective of the schools that should be added. Colorado obviously feels like a Big 12 school. Arizona feels like a school where fans, despite the lack of success in football, it is a they love basketball. This is the Big 12. Basketball matters here on, in, in a way that doesn't outside of maybe the Big East. Um, it is a it's a school that seems to us from the outsider perspective, one that cares about athletics, which aligns with the Big 12. Obviously, academics matter, but a- athletics is a is a big deal wanting to be competitive in those and wanting to be competitive in men's basketball specifically uh, is good. I'm also excited because uh, thank you for Arizona state and Arizona softball, uh, big 12. It's going to be tons of fun, but um, what should big 12 fans know about uh, Arizona? Uh, I think the PAC 12 as a whole, the, the university is a, uh, a jewel in the crown of the city um, for most of the schools in the PAC 12. There are a couple of schools in the PAC 12, uh, where the school is the crown it's the whole crown um eugene is one of them uh corvallis is another um the palouse you know washington state that's pullman everything's just built around. it is a college town it's it's your traditional college town but tucson's a big city i mean we're talking like probably a million in the county five hundred fifty thousand in the um you know it's it's bigger than atlanta right but University of Arizona is what they have. So it is a giant college town. It is uh, important uh, in, in a way that's not super important to a lot of schools in the Pac-12, that you are familiar with the history of um, of Arizona basketball in particular. Um, Arizona fans are very much like Canadians in that like they can list every celebrity that was born like in their province or, or whatever like that. So like it, you'll be talking to an Arizona fan and uh, you'd be like, Hey, name some of your favorite wildcat basketball players. Um, name your three favorite. And that, I mean, you could, you could literally make one faint by trying to like have them create a Mount Rushmore of like, well, Sean, Sean Elliott's gotta be on there. Um, and then, well, you got Richard Jefferson. Oh man. But what are we going to do with Steve Kerr? And then obviously the title had Miles Simon and Mike Beebe on the team. So you have to have one of those two. And then your Arizona fans are like split into, were you a Miles Simon fan for what he did um, at the University of Arizona? Or are you a Mike Bibby fan for what he did at and after, right? And then one thing you can say to pretty much any Arizona fan is, um, you know, Salim Stoudemire was Steph Curry before Steph Curry. <laughs> You, if you say that, they will be like, "Oh my gosh, you get it, you get it." Like, um, I think the basketball fans are they, they're they are educated. They're um, I, I would say that some people find them to be snobby, but I just I I feel like knowing what you're talking about isn't always like a snob. There is an air of they believe that one title a really long time ago makes them. Uh, a blue blood, you know, and then you get into the whole, like, what is a blue blood thing? Um, but Arizona is always going to be competitive. They're always going to have a top 10 recruiting class. Um, the pressure is there for the program to stay good. 
Uh, and then football, football is interesting because like I said, they'll name all the good players that have ever come through, but they've been through absolute hell. And um, because of that, there is some optimism there. But one of the things that they worry about is that they'll never convince people that it, they, they worry, they really worry about being a Kansas, right? Never being able to fully recover. Um, but the thing with uh, the thing with U of A football is that that's where you're going to encounter some of the, the, the online crazies because they were molded by the darkness. Right. I, I don't, I wouldn't even touch the Like you, you have an account that comes in and, and sounds like, you know, uh, they're, they're completely sauced at, at 11 in the morning. They probably are. And just move on. I mean, they have had some pretty unpleasant interactions with a few people in particular, <laughs> but the U of A fans don't even interact with those people. So um, leave, leave them alone. Um, and then, you know, when it comes to football, it's just like, you've got to understand that it was Kansas level malpractice that put them in the hole that they were in. Um, and the other thing I just want to mention about U of A football, they have probably the best uniform in America. I hear Sun Devils like gagging in the background, but like the Navy blue with the white bottoms and the red stripe and the block A, it's red, white, and blue. It's America, right? Like it was their desert swarm teams back in the day with Antonio Pierce and Teddy Bruschi, um, Lance Briggs, like that. They should never change that. And every time they do, not only do they lose because their football team always loses, they look bad while they're doing it. So it is perfectly <laughs> acceptable to roast them for doing any type of experiment uh, experimentation ever with any of their uniforms. They have these cherry bombs that they wear, all red, and then a chrome red top. Um, it's never funnier uh, to see a team uh, lose by 35 than it is in those lipsticks uh the, that they wear out there so definitely bully arizona fans over the uniforms if they ever deviate from the standard okay good oh this is i i'm gonna i should be taking notes we're just gonna put like <laughs> notes out on social like okay notes things to say to make arizona fans like you things to say to make arizona fans not happy with you this is gonna be great it's perfect and, oh, and uh, also if you're a college sports fan just for like the uh the product that people are bringing into your city like you like good competition. I'm sure that that's some fraction of college sports fans. Of course. Arizona outside of football will always bring a good show to town. Always. Their women's basketball is on the upswing big time right now. Softball, you know, they're kind oh, of yeah. what they're known for, right? Uh, Jay Johnson, before he left uh, and, and, and just got a national championship with LSU, I think took Arizona to the college world series. So, you know, then and they've stayed relevant. So like they're pretty good in most things. Um, and, and they're a fun team to go out and watch if they come to your town. I'm going to skip Colorado because like, I, I, I feel like we have a decent grasp on Colorado. Uh, it's it's going to be a quick reacquaintance. I, I will. Like. I will say one thing about the response to me trying to tell big 12 fans what to expect, uh, with Colorado's social presence. Um, it, I was grinding my teeth down because I said, you know, they're they're few and far between because yeah. they've been so bad. Um, but the ones I've interacted with are happy to be going back to the Big 12. That was really all I said. And I said, but yeah. sometimes sometimes you're going to encounter somebody who's not really a Colorado fan. They're just a Dion fan. Um, you, and you got to be careful. There's that's not those yeah. are two different things right now because there are Colorado fans and there are Dion fans, and you cannot confuse the right. two because anybody, they are not the same. Anybody who's ever interacted with NBA Twitter understands that, like, oh, there are like LeBron James 
groupies and then there are actual Lakers fans and they're not. Correct. So yeah, that's that's Colorado. And all I said was Colorado is excited to be going back home. Yes, they are. And I got probably 20 something tweets from Big 12 fans that were like, uh, "Excuse me, I think we know a little bit more about Colorado than you do." And I was like, "Well, uh I'm talking about what they're like on Twitter uh as a conference foe." something that no one on Twitter has ever experienced because this happened back in like 2010 and Twitter really only got cracking in like 2011, 2012. So no, you don't, you don't know, you know what it's like to have Colorado around. Apparently some of you like to tell me that they like to throw batteries and stuff. Well, that's not what happens on the internet and that's not what happens in conference games. Um, And I would say PAC 12 fans actually know Colorado pretty good. They know every blade of grass in Folsom field because all of our teams marched up and down that field 30 times a game. <laughs> oh man. Look, the, uh, I would say Colorado is probably worse now than they were when they actually left. So uh, definitely coming back hat in hand, but we're happy to have them. All right. Uh, Utah. This is the, this is the team and the fan base. I think it's both a university president who is, was very like, we're not going to the big 12. Yeah, you take a fan base who has been the most aggressive about trashing the Big 12 on social media, at least Mm -hmm. every opportunity they can. Yeah, I'm sure part of that is BYU is now in the Big 12 and the very idea of Utah being in the same conference as BYU is kind of like Texas having to share a conference with Houston. Um, We would prefer to pretend like that's not actually a real thing that is happening. So I'm, I'm curious, like, Give me the non like we want to take a crap all over Big Twelve and the Big Twelve cities and all those other things. Like, what what are Utah fans actually like? Like, is that just really? Is this something we need to get used to? Uh, the Utah Pig account, whatever, made of at least admitted they're screwed in uh, basketball, which is very true. They're they're in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I so when I found out people were like talking about Utah fans, but then they were bringing up the Pig Bus account. Like that's the most controversial account in pretty much the whole Pac-12. I, I, I don't know a lot of Utah fans that are, you know, they'll, they'll come to the aid of their own. Um, and I guess that guy's actually like somebody that if you're involved with Utah State Athletics, you're going to encounter, runs a big tailgate and everything like that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, that that's one account where I'm like, man, I love Utah fans online, but I can't do that one. Um, they are aggressive. And I, I don't think, I don't know. I, they don't, they don't make my list of like top five insane online fan bases and they would, and they don't even like sniff the boots of like a Nebraska or a Tennessee. That's not, you know, but um, what I think it is, is they are um, in the same way that like an eight month old lion, you know, can get, at, you know, every third meow is actually a roar. You know, like, I think they're really feeling themselves because they had the Urban Meyer run. They had the undefeated season with Alex Smith. They take down Virginia Tech in a in a BCS bowl. They go undefeated. Um, they leave the Mountain West along with TCU. Uh, and I'm, you know, born in Wyoming. I'm a Wyoming fan. So I was like, good riddance, get Utah the hell out of here. Because <laughs> by the end of their run in the Mountain West, they were truly bullies truly bullies like on the field the the definition of of a bully um so i was happy to see them go and of course they end up in the pac-12 where uh, you know i'm an arizona state student 
Um, and, uh, and, and they had to pay the tax, um, the talent gap tax, and they had to pay it over the course of about eight years. Uh, and it was not pretty. They, they fought really hard to be mediocre, but they stayed the course. They kept Kyle Whittingham in the driver's seat, who's an Urban Meyer disciple. They kept their development going. They went out and found two-star recruits in Texas like Lecky Fotu, who by the end of his senior season is 6'5", 360, unblockable. And they do that all over the, the, the field. They get these three-star defensive backs and uh, um, Coach Shaw, who we'll get into, Sharif Shaw, um, he uh, he is one of the greatest developers of talent in all of college football. And a lot of these assistants are just there, and they've been there forever. Um, their offensive coordinator is excellent, uh, offensive line strength coach. They just they they just keep hammering away. They do everything the exact same, and eventually it started to work. As everybody else is transitioning coaches and trying to figure out what conference they're going to play in, and um, you know, losing high-level recruits to different schools uh, because of the advent of NIL and everything like that. Utah didn't change a single thing about who they were and what they did. And all of a sudden, you know, you had a, you had a year, I want to say it was 2019 where they held three different, very talented quarterbacks under a hundred yards passing. They were, they, they were just boa constrictors. And once they figured it out, it's been kind of hell on everybody in the PAC 12, and now here I am, the same position I was when they were in the Mountain West, like, please get them the hell out of here because they're becoming bullies. It is one of the only stadiums in the Pac-12 that gets packed out. Um, if you get out to Salt Lake and you get to a game, one of the things you'll notice is the fans are just right up on the players, the way the stadium's built. Uh, it's only 45,000, but it's a sea of red. And, and they're loud and they'll take any advantage they can get. Um, you know, that turf uh, actually kind of gets pretty hot early in the year. And it's the slipperiest thing in the world when it's sleeting in November. Um, and they're prepared for either situation. They've recently learned to like crawl out of holes. If they, you know, if, if they do dig themselves like a double digit hole, they've kind of figured out how to come back. Um, and then they just continuously get these guys that are walk-ons. And by the time they're done, they're getting a first-round grade. They had a Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year, Devin Lloyd. Um, they had three, Bradley and I, John Penasini, and Lecky Fotu, all in the same defensive line, get picked in the NFL draft. They've turned former Texas cast-off Cameron Rising into a two-time Pac-12 champion who's going on his third in his 15th season in college football. Um, they will always have three running backs that, you don't want to play against. Uh, and now the tight ends, they're becoming the tight end U of the West. And it's, it's, it's all very, very frustrating. And what I've noticed from a lot of big 12 fans is they're like, Oh, we, we understand this type of football. Like eh, maybe, maybe I don't, it, it's, it, it is so different than anything else that, that happens in the pac 12. Um, and the continuity with the staff is really what makes them special. I think their resistance to heading East was that it was very important to them to be able to find, even though they do get a lot of kids from Texas, it, it's been their prerogative to find these like under-recruited gems from California. Uh, and it makes it a little bit more difficult for that to be fertile recruiting ground for them. Um, the, the last thing that they had to do in the PAC 12 was win in LA. They had never done it. And in the last two years, they did it multiple times. Um, they got that monkey off their back. They felt like they were well-established. And then BYU, 
join the Big 12. BYU is not allowed to do anything, have anything, be anything. So if BYU had gone to the SEC, Utah would have been roasting the SEC. If BYU had gone to the moon, Utah would blow up the moon. Like they don't. (laughs) And so Utah fans, and and I don't think any Big 12 fan is going to be comforted by this, but Utah fans will tell you that part of the disdain was to make BYU feel bad, which is, and you will experience this as Big 12 fans, an exercise in futility because there is no one that BYU has played on the road since they won their national championship and even before that that wasn't calling them every name in the book. Like, they have always been hated. They will always be hated. They're impervious to it, but it's like a honey trap for Utah fans. They can't resist it. (laughs) Uh I, I I don't think I could be more excited about the Holy War being a Big 12 game, which is a weird thing to say out loud, but I, I cannot wait for the first iteration of that in surely 24. It's fa- So that's fascinating is that like the, the five teams that you're getting from, you know, west of uh, Lubbock all in some way hate each other. I mean, uh, you know, I would say I would say maybe 10, 15 percent of Arizo- of America's LDS population actually lives in Arizona. And, and, you know, and so you have that like intra family tension of, of, uh, same stuff you get with Utah and BYU, but Arizona and BYU and Arizona state and and BYU, they all hate each other. Um, Arizona and Utah fans are starting to get on each other's nerves. Arizona state and Utah fans always want to fight, but then they want to fight you. If you tell them, oh, you're fighting because you're rivals. And then they they hate that. They hate that more than anything in the world. (laughs) Accuse. Accuse Utah and Arizona State of being rivals, and the fans will bend over backwards to tell you how much they don't care. They will, they will have a carathon to let you know they don't care, and it, it is a really sore point. I, I believe that they are. Um, and then obviously you have the Holy War, and then Arizona and Arizona State is. Um, they'll tell you it's the oldest rivalry. The territorial Cups like you know over a hundred years old, but that that's more of an on-field one. That's more of like a, a a good classic, like the 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 students and alumni. We don't we don't we if even if we don't like each other, most of us are family, and so it you know it is what it is. But when they get on the field together, it's actual um, it's hate. It's called hate week. It is called hate week in 2023. Hate week exists. Um, so you have holy war and hate week, and that's what's coming your way. Cannot wait. I want to I want to get you out of here, but. As an ASU guy, I mean, Michael Crow. Uh, one of the things about the Big Twelve, uh, since it was announced that Oklahoma and Texas left, um, it, it's this conference has never felt more unified. At least from the fan standpoint. Like mm-hmm. I, again, it, you went from Iowa State's one of the, it was a very online fan base to Kansas State, Texas Tech, uh, Iowa State. Now you have UCF, who are good lord, are they online? Um, like you, you. But overall, this entire conference feels very unified because it's it's the hateful eight and the four teams who've been struggling and fighting and clawing and tearing to get to this point. And everyone's kind of on board of anyone who tries to come to the Big 12, like we will assault you verbally in any way, shape or form. Like, and you're <laughs> not going to hurt us. We've leave, this is we're in a conference that's been left for dead multiple times over the last 12, 13 years now. Um, 
like we said, I, the, the the outside viewing is Colorado obviously makes sense in the Big 12 again. Um, Arizona, from an athletic standpoint, feels like they fit because that's something that's a priority. Uh, Utah fans have been overly vocal about how terrible the Big 12 is, so we don't like them. Then you get ASU. This yeah. is where I'm. the question is. You have an athletic director um, who made a drive, basically said, I'll, I'm not going to West Virginia. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to send my deputy AD. I'm not going to go to Morgantown. Uh, and a a school president who still seems unable to realize any of his own faults in the downfall of the Pac-12. And I still don't think he's getting nearly enough blame as he probably deserves as one of the most, uh, I would say, vocal and strong voices in what was the Pac-12 in allowing poor leadership to basically have free reign of whatever they wanted to do and continue to be in power. Uh, it's nice to know that fans of ASU are very much in agreement of like, that guy sucks. Uh, but yeah. it does concern me as a as a Big 12 where it does feel like obviously schools and 80s still want things for themselves. But it just feels unified. And now it feels like with Crow, you're throwing a, a live hand grenade into a room that's finally together. Yeah, yeah, I say throw it back. <laughs> like, <laughs> it would, you know... It, it it sure would be good business savvy if somebody with a big uh Big Twelve reach, um put together uh, just a very simple black and white T shirt that says Michael Crow killed the Pac twelve because he did. Okay, I did. Time to launch the ten twelve store, and that will be the first thing. Yeah, he did. And 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 so here's a couple of fun Michael Crow facts. My introduction to Michael Crow, and, and I'm sure if an ASU alum comes across this podcast, they can correct me if there's any inaccuracies here. He's been the ASU president for over twenty years. Uh, I, I went, um, a couple of years into his tenure. My wife was there when he got there. She's a psychology major. And I believe the story goes, there was a free daycare as part of the psychology department for like the hands-on experience stuff of, you know, of, you know, you bring your kid in and we can study like Piaget and all the other like child psychologist stuff. There can be counseling. There can be, um, basically just like the ability for the psychology students to work directly with kids and families. Um, that I, that is how it was told to me. If that's not fully uh, what it is, um, I, I will accept correction on this. But I do believe, I do believe that daycare was torn down to build a parking lot for the LDS seminary. <laughs> that was like one of his first big moves. Um, and then there was his reaction to like the Playboy article and him going after Greek life, and and so all of this has kind of happened over time. He has completely transformed the university. And academically, it is well, well respected, and it was important for him to be affiliated with Stanford and Cal, um, and uh, and and the 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 liberal um, dinner party left coast. Like all of that's very important to him as a person, um, and he has shown that in the way that he's done things. And if you convince him something is innovative, he will listen. I mean, you if you <laughs> can find a word to describe a toaster that's like three sentences long. Um, and, and, you know, this is a, 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 a vertical bread crisping technology uh, saves on propane. <laughs> like if you can really overcomplicate something simple, you'll have his ear. He loves like future stuff, techie stuff, being on the cutting edge. That's what he wants for Arizona State. Oh, yeah, saw the saw the the comments about Apple and all this great technology yeah. that Apple was going to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, so like apps. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Uh, it, Streaming. I don't know. I, I, I don't. I, I don't know what to say about Michael Crow. I will say this: there has been a lot of positive change. 
but he's also kind of turned uh, Arizona State's property into like, you know, he's like a landlord. Like there's a retirement community that he put in. If you want a great story, look up the dispute between um, they put a retirement home on Mill Avenue, which is like the party place next to a club. And then the retirement community sued the club for being too loud, too late. And all of this is Michael Crow's doing. He's he is transforming Arizona State from like the party school to like its own to to the thing that they were pitching in succession. The like live on, consume on, um, you know, uh, Sun Devil for Life thing. Um, some people think that he's you know that he that he's an innovator. Other people just are concerned about the front porch of the university, which is sports. Um, and he hasn't shown the greatest investment um, in sports. But I wanted to bring it all home to this point. You're getting one of your own back. Michael- uh, I would say fans are currently trying to disown him and yeah. asking if they can give him his degree. And Mike, uh, javelin throwing Iowa State Cyclone <laughs> legend, Michael Crow, coming home. I, I had tweeted something like, I wonder who bullied him there because he really doesn't want to go back. But apparently, uh, yeah. Uh, so it's been very clear that this is not what he wants. The statements were very funny when it had to happen. And he was like, we're really excited about this very necessary thing for us. <laughs> <laughs> and so I don't know, man. It, it's uh, I would say that he was the power broker, the puppet master in the Pac-12 conference um, as far as shepherding the direction of the conference, which was directly into a mountain. But he it was his, um, he really held a position of longevity and power as far as university president. He steps into a Big 12 situation where he doesn't really have that, doesn't have respect for the other universities that are involved, and it immediately Dan Snyder's him, right? It like immediately puts him on the outside and he's going to have some company in Utah's athletic director who was a, a little bit more direct in his criticism um, of the Big 12. But now, he, you know, he went from a position of influence to being other. And that's not a good place for him to be. He is the emperor of Arizona State. And the idea that he's just going to be like the, the, the you know, the, the corporate uh, lefty outside quack uh, from the West Coast that doesn't um, get a say, I think, is probably kind of scary to him. Um, I would say treat him with the respect that he has earned from you, Big 12 friends. <laughs> I don't, you know, do not, do not take this man seriously um, because he spent years ardently and defiantly defending Larry Scott. The quotes he has out there about how the Pac-12 is going to be leading the country um, around this time were things that back then we said, no, actually we'll be dead because of you. <laughs> Larry Scott, like, we know it's coming. And he would never admit it. And now the idea that he has this out, that TV networks are unstable, so it's not really his fault. And this thing where he said he was the final defender of the Pac-12. You know, it's like running somebody over with your car and then they don't have family. So they leave the decision uh, to you whether or not you pull the plug. So you just keep them alive for years (laughs) in a vegetative state. Like, cool, I'm glad you fought for them after you ran them over, Michael. And, you know, he's it's just so bad. So I, I would say, you know, we're with you. We'll, we'll go with you, the, the, the four schools, if, if you want to uh, make Michael Crow feel unwelcome. You can't be president forever. So um, I'm just ha- I'm, ha- I'm happy to be here. I hate, hate, hate that the Pac-12 uh, went away. 
Um, but I could not be more excited. As somebody who lives on the on the East Coast now, UCF, Cincinnati, Morgantown. I will go to Morgantown, Ray Anderson. These are all in driving distance for me. Um, and then, you know, I've been kind of a, a, a long distance admirer of, of, you know, Texas Tech for a long time. Lubbock's not that different than Laramie, where I'm from. Um, and, you know, they made college football fun before everybody was trying to make it fun. Uh, TCU, I'm extraordinarily familiar with. Um, I was uh, uh, one, one, of, one of the most dead wrong I've ever been on uh, prognosticating an NFL prospect to go to the next level. Uh, was uh, Cincinnati's Tony Pike thought he was going to be like a 10 time NFL pro bowler. He was not. Um, but ever since then, I've pretty closely followed Cincinnati's program as well. Um, you know, I got, I got family in Houston. My mother-in-law is a, is a Kansas state graduate. My wife spent time living in Manhattan. Uh, my grandmother on my mom's side was born in Lawrence and I had a signed basketball from Jock Vaughn and, and a Scott Pollard Jersey <laughs> when I was, when I was like, eight years old. So like Kansas has always been really, really cool to me. Um, you know, I know you guys don't like to mention the schools that left and I won't, I covered Brock Purdy's entire high school career. Nobody was, you know, a, a bigger cheerleader of him. Um, at Iowa state from the jump than me, my son wears his 49ers Jersey to school, even though he's an Arizona Cardinals fan, like we can, you know, we, we you know, we, we can jive with that cognitive dissonance for the most part. I really, really love the schools that are, involved there's some i don't know a whole lot about um but i'm i'm excited to be part of it and i think arizona state will be a good fit i know in particular the entire football coaching staff has roots in texas and they're very very excited about um some of these kids being able to go to games uh it, it might be rough on the women's sports i'm not i'm not, I'm not gonna lie you know, that travel is gonna be crazy it's gonna change the recruiting area um and all of that's going to be really tough, but uh, I, I will say the two schools that don't want to be there, um, I think you'll warm up to Arizona State. I really do. And I think, and I'm just being honest, about three years in, you're going to say, I don't want Utah here either. And it's not <laughs> going to be because their fans are a-holes. It's not. They are just, if if nothing changes over there, it's going to keep, they're going to keep just growing and getting more and more mean and more and more unstoppable and playing a style of football um, that is truly brutal. And if you do manage to win the game, you'll have five players next week that are out for two to four weeks. And it's just not fun. They're not fun. Uh, and I know the Big 12 to be a lot of fun. So enjoy not enjoying talk. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Ralph, this was awesome. Fantastic, man. Uh, do me a favor. Where could everybody uh, check out your work? So uh, I, I co-host a podcast. Uh, I think people listen to you, probably podcast fans. Um, but the final season of the Pac-12 Apostles, um, it's on <laughs> It's on iHeart. And it's myself who covered Arizona State, went to Arizona State. Um, and George Reister, a former Jacksonville Jaguars, Jacksonville Jaguars tight end who uh, played at Oregon um, back in the day. And, and, uh, and, you know, we just talk about, uh, food and, and, and fatherhood and the follies of the PAC 12. And this is going to be the last time we get to do it. So, um, who knows what's going to go on beyond that. But if you want to keep track of, uh, some of the incoming teams, you can, uh, follow me at Ralph Amston on Twitter, um, or my, my show co-host at George Reister or at PAC 12 apostles. Ralph, appreciate it, man. Uh, this is your first appearance. It will not be your last, uh, welcome to the big 12. 
glad to glad I'm, I'm there are some like pac 12 media people though that as like jason Shear uh and, and some others who like <laughs> now that i'm becoming familiar with it's like they're really nice to have like this is gonna be this is gonna be very enjoyable to have some of these pac 12 personalities like now it's a labor of love on the west coast like the people that do it they're really really good at it we don't all get along um we definitely do not all get along but i will say that like it the people adam monster tiger that covers the um the buffs um has has just been incredible um you know the the daily star justin spears i could not recommend following a reporter more than justin spears down in tucson he's just really incredible at what he does one of my best friends jordan ham doing arizona state coverage um you know and then you know utah uh the fans will just tell you you don't need the media they'll just you'll know they'll put it all out there in your face they really use twitter like a message board so you don't have to worry about any utah media but it's a good group it is i appreciate it ralph hey have a great night Podcast Network.